Welcome to the Firearms Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and today we'll be talking about creating unique training classes. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about the instructive coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off on your policy by entering promo code FTP10. This episode is also brought to you by Barrel Block. Listen, if you are tuning into this podcast, I assume you've heard of Barrel Block. It's the industry standard for safe, dry fire practice and classroom demos with a real firearm. Barrel Block prevents negligent discharges and eliminates training scars. I love using Barrel Block with students because it's safe and puts everyone at ease. When installed, and remember, no tools or disassembly required to use it, everyone in the room or on the firing line can see that the firearm is safe and inert. Plus, given the price, I can't imagine a firearm instructor who wouldn't have one in their classroom gear and one at home for personal dry fire use. Pick yours up today and enjoy a special offer for listeners of this podcast at blocksafety.com and use code instructor20 for a 20% off discount. That's B-L-O-K safety.com. Today, we're joined by Ken Farn from ILFE, the International Association of Law Enforcement Firearm Instructors. Welcome, Ken. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Great. It's always uh, great to get different perspectives. And uh, your law enforcement background, I think, is uh, definitely a unique one for the guests that are that have been on the podcast so far. Can you give our listeners a little bit of uh, what you do for ILFE and then, what, and then your background also? Yeah, I, I sit on the board for ILFE. I have uh, off and on for about 18 years. Uh, ILFE stands for the International Association of Law Enforcement Firearms Instructors. And by that title, you understand that it's not just law enforcement firearms instructors. It's anybody who trains uh, law enforcement. So we have a lot of civilians in our in our organization, and uh, uh, hope to hope to continue to to solicit them and get them in, involved. Uh, I, I was a police officer for 33 years. I spent 26 years with a. Uh, uh, Metropolitan Police Department, and uh, 11 of those years I was on the, uh, the SWAT team. I uh, did everything from being a, a preacher to uh, eventually being the uh, commander of, of the unit. I did that, um, was with that department for 26 years. A friend of mine ran for sheriff, was elected, and asked me to come over and be the chief deputy, which I did. Uh, about 1983, while still employed with the police department, I started my own company called Shooter's Edge. Uh, that mainly uh, at that time was dealing and training directly to uh, civilian uh, for concealed carry, which had just come into being in Texas. Uh, and then uh, I've continued to keep that company, although now it's mostly directed at uh, law enforcement. The uh, uh, My background is I became a, a firearms instructor uh, in 1980 through the uh, FBI uh, Quantico. Since then, I've gone to just about every firearm instructor course I could lay my hands on. NRA, Texas Department of Public Sa- Sa- Safety, uh, ILFA, and, and, and many others. Uh, after retiring, I uh, uh, was uh, from the Sheriff's Department. I was approached by a company called the Evans Group. Uh, 
they created a unique group of guys, eight of us, all former SWAT guys who did uh, demonstration consultation and then user training to to law enforcement. Uh, we represent a variety of uh, of um, equipment from different manufacturers, such as Surefire, Springfield Armory, um, Mossberg, and those type of types of companies. Um, so I've been training for for a long, long time. Highly uh, about. Uh, five years ago, um, requested me to help them create a firearms instructor certification program. Myself and a couple other guys sat down. It took us about two years to complete the uh, course. After much research and development, we taught it um, eight or nine times now across the United States and uh, have uh, been very successful at it. As a matter of fact, uh, um, my, my host tonight is a, is a graduate of it, so hopefully we can uh, share some information tonight about that. Yes, uh, I am a graduate of Fire Instructor uh, Certification, and that was a, a big eye-opening course for a civilian for a civilian instructor to go along and take uh, a law enforcement focused uh, type of course like that. Um, very very good, and, and hopefully uh, the law enforcement I've taught since then have seen uh, those practices put into into the courses that I've, uh, that I've uh, done for them, which brings us around to our topic tonight about talking about creating those unique courses for specific uh, reasons, specific uh, feedback that we've gotten or, you know, different, different kinds of firearms and such. Um, what, what's your thinking, Ken, when it comes to creating new courses or changing an existing one? At what point do you go along, throw, throw the old one out and create a new one versus going along and cha- changing the old one into, you know, doing something new? Well, I think the first thing you've got to do is identify the need. Uh, you know, uh, I guess somebody could create a, a uh, arms course that involved, um, you know, a slip and slide and a bow and arrow and a baseball bat, but um, it'd be kind of hard to uh, determine what what the need is of that so we kind of got to look at again your market the market i'm in as to what um you know what's what's the need uh I'll give you an example uh you often hear about the 21 foot rule although that's in debate now uh but but um you know peter tarley out of utah uh determined that uh, they'd had several incidents where where officers have been at attacked with knives and and he was trying to determine at at what distance is an officer justified in in displaying his weapon and challenging somebody with an with a knife and so he he did some study and determined that at 21 foot uh if the adversary is at 21 foot you can draw your your uh, firearm and 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 probably put hits on target before the, the suspect could get to you uh once he had determined the need for that, the need being that they had several officers attacked with knives, then he determined uh, what what is it I'm going to teach. And once he determined that, that that distance ratio, he began to teach and build his lesson plan around around that. So that's a real simple um, uh, example of identifying identifying the need for a course. Um, the second thing you're going to have to determine is you you can identify the need all day long, but you've got to identify your range facilities, you got to identify the environment in which you're going to have to teach this. Um, it's it's almost possible to teach a long-range rifle school on a 25-yard 
range. Uh, there may be a need for it, but if you don't have the facility to teach it, then mm-hmm. you're probably going to do you and your students a disservice by trying to teach that. Now, you may be able to teach how to zero a rifle. You may be able to teach how to to um, go in a you know into a defensive position from a from a prone position or whatever. But the actual engaging targets at long distances is not going to be practical. So you got to identify that environment. You got to identify your your range facilities. Uh, you got to identify what firearms you're gonna gonna uh, be using. You, you got to identify your target audience. I mean, if you've got these are brand new students uh, who who have had very little ex- exposure. You know, I've been to Brazil many times teaching uh, for the government down there, and each time they want me to come down and teach some kind of advanced SWAT school. And every time I arrive after evaluating the students for you know just a little while, I, I, I've all, always started off with finger guns because uh, one language barrier two is you know it becomes obvious fairly quickly that the vast majority of the people in class are just not up to speed on that and you know i'm sure you've heard this term that your your audience has probably heard this term you got to teach the lowest denominator in the class in other words what's the level of the, of the mm-hmm. guy with the least experience and, and and there's some truth in that but sometimes you'd be better off you know somehow having that guy you know, take a seat to the side and watch for a while and then teach to those higher level people and bring him up as you go rather than, you know, dumb it down for the guys who who are, are there to who, who probably can share something with everybody and everybody learn, learn from that. Uh, so you got to have your student con- uh, considerations. And then, you know, what do you, is it rifle, is it shotgun, is it rifle pistol, is it pistol only, is it transition reel? Um, so those are the things you, you're going to start with to begin with, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the big important factor you touched on with knowing what your students' abilities are is safety. Because obviously, you don't want a whole bunch of people running around uh, doing movement drills if everybody that isn't familiar with how to go along and keep the muzzle in a safe direction, uh, whichever direction that is, or in a range facility, it doesn't allow you to be able to move, uh, appropriately or, or doesn't have, you know, the proper, uh, 270 type of arms to be able to move, uh, and shoot, shoot to the sides sure. as well as in the front. Those are always, you know, a big consideration for it. Right. And anytime you're teaching on a square range, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it, Safety comes first, all always. But if we always just uh, address that that's directly in front of us and don't consider those things that may be to our left or right, uh, uh, in, in, in a gunfight, it is a 360 world. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, we we talk about the Sewell position. The Sewell position was born out of the need to be able to move with a gun in a 360 degree uh, pattern. Uh, rather than, you know, uh, simply always think that downrange, well, downrange is, again, 360 in the real world once, the, once there's gunpowder in there. Mm-hmm. Yep, but we're still responsible for every round that goes uh, downrange or, down, or out into the world uh, type of thing. Right. And that, those Absolutely. are things you know, that I, we, we've got to make sure everybody's aware of. Yeah, I use the example often when teaching law enforcement that, you know, you get a call to a, a man with a gun and a ball and, and, uh, you know, end, ends up in, you're in a, a foot chase down on a mall and there's, you know, 2000 people in this, in this mall. It, uh, that, that training on a square range when, where everything's forward of you all the time, um, you know, suddenly doesn't seem like, uh, enough. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's one of those things that I, I see with uh, active shooter training that comes up. You go into a school and you've got people coming from many different directions, but you're still trying to find that one, one uh, person, the shooter who's, you know, you're going after. And that's where you've got a lot of dynamics between the noise as well as, you know, being a, in a honeycomb, uh, you know, depending on what the style of school is. You know, some of the more modern ones ha- are able to be locked down easier than some of the older ones. But yeah, still you know, required. that's a un- right, and that's a un- unique thing to law enforcement. Uh, that's just you know occurred since since these active shooter things began to uh, become more and more common. Is, is that you know we're trying to inoculate these officers to the idea that they're 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 marching toward the sound of gunfire. Uh, there are going to be people injured and, and, and lying about, and uh, there are going to be children and adults, and, and you're going to have to move past all those people because if you take time to give aid to everyone you, you find, then that becomes uh, uh, defeating your, your purpose. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, again, going back to designing courses, uh, when I first started going to active shooter classes years ago, the uh, – the, uh, they would have us, nobody carried tourniquets. That, that was just, nobody did that. And now it's hard to find an officer without a, without a tourniquet. And so you would, you'd run these exercises where you engage the bad guy and then immediately turn and start um, performing uh, medical aid, first aid to, uh, to somebody's down. And eventually we got to the point that we were giving first aid to each other. Unique training, getting these guys, they identified what the issue was that, We'd have to give first aid and self aid, buddy aid to your partner and to somebody, somebody else. And these guys would be rolling um, PowerPoint presentations. And they said, anytime you see a red screen, it means you need to need to uh, give yourself aid. You're, you're wounded in the left arm, mm-hmm. and so it'd be a big red screen with L on it, and you'd have to put a tourniquet on your own left left arm. If it was a blue screen. You had to do the guy on their right. If it was an orange screen, you had to do the guy your your left, and it would give an R or a, um, a right or left or a leg or arm. And so, so again, they identified the need, and then they created the training around that. So, identify the need, then begin to to dissect. Okay, the need is I need to teach my my my, my civilian instructors need to. We have um we have uh, civilians coming to us wanting to know how to. Uh, defend themselves from from a vehicle um, because of road rage. Well, now we begin to build a lesson plan around that. May not have the ability to pull a car car up into the into the range, but you can probably uh, uh, drag some chairs out there. I've even seen horses uh, fire where the guys do a cut out of a of a door window. Uh, you know that they can uh, take to the side of that car where or a, a chair where the guys have to engage out out the window. Uh, if you've got the luxury of bringing a car out there, that, that's great. Now, the one thing you have to keep, keep in consideration again is is the time element. You know, if I got 20 people there, do I have the time to let them go one at a time through this? I got to demonstrate it to them. I got to probably run a dry gun drill through it, through it, and I may have to run a lab drill where I'm doing the shooting so they can see what it is I want them to accomplish, and then you know let them go through one at a time. Well, you know, it doesn't take long to eat up. 30 minutes a student uh just to get through the initial engaging from mm-hmm. from the, the seat the seated position much less 
moving out of the seated position to cover outside the car, fighting to the front of the car, fighting the rear of the car. So it's, again, you got to identify that need and then uh, design a lesson plan around it. Yeah. 30 minutes for 20 students. You know, the simple math for that is, uh, you know, 10 hours just to run that. And you gotta, you gotta ask yourself what, what are those other students going to do that aren't going to be running that? So how do, right, how do you go, right. how, how do you go along, get uh, feedback when it comes to those kind of courses and, you know, as you're trying to improve them in different things? Well, you know, I, I, I often say when I'm teaching class, either civilian or law enforcement, that the original thought died with Adam, uh, Everything since then has been plagiarized now. And when I say plagiarized, uh, you know, if, if you take an ideal that you see in the class or you read in a magazine or you see on, on the Internet, uh, you're, my, my, I tell people all the time, if, if you're not stealing ideals from other people, then you, you're not much of an instructor. But when I say steal, what I'm talking about is give the guy credit. Wherever you saw it from, whoever was doing it, uh, make sure you give him, him, him credit. But then take his ideal, design your own course around it, because you'll find something in it that you didn't like or that you didn't figure he he covered or she covered, and then design your own own course course around that. A uh, great source of information now, is, um, as you and I spoke about earlier, right, especially for law enforcement, is in-car dash videos and, and uh, body cams now. Uh, it's almost like in watching game film from um, the game on Friday night and the coaches going over the game with you on Monday. Uh, you can go through and watch these shootings online and then go, okay, I see the need for me to teach how this officer didn't do it right, or I see the need how to teach this, uh, how the officer did do it right, or I see the need, I know a better way of doing this than either one of these officers did, and I'm going to create a, a course of fire around that. Again, what's 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 the environment? Can you do that? Can you can you create create that kind of training? I can give you another example. We had several officers bit by dogs uh, suddenly over a short period of time, and uh, the range master at that that time, uh, now Mike Dunlap, the prison at ILF, they came up with the idea of getting a, a milk jug, uh, filling it full of gravel, and putting a long rope on it, throwing it up on the side of the hill. And then he'd have the officer stand holstered and, and he'd start dragging that, that uh, and he'd tell them and he'd show it before, before he did, this is going to be a dog and you're going to have to engage this uh, before it gets to you. And he had a stop point where they couldn't shoot. Otherwise, they'd start shooting themselves in the feet if the, if the you know, the, the milk bottle got, got to him before that. And so mm-hmm. he was able to correct, he identified the problem with getting dog, the officers bit by by dogs, the officers were shooting at the dogs. They were missing the dogs. So, because they'd never experienced that, they never had had that, you know, uh, stimuli introduced into their their training. So he identified it. He created a course of fire for it, and then put the officers through it. And uh, uh, the incidents of our officers getting bit by dogs went went down significantly. Had, mm-hmm. had a lot of had a lot of mad citizens, but um, you know, should keep your dog on a leash. Um, mm-hmm. and, that, and that's but, a, uh, that's a good drill. I've, I've actually done that drill before and as easy as it, somebody might think, okay, and I got to shoot this, you know, object of milk jug at, you know, 20 feet, something else like that. All of a sudden it starts moving toward you and being a milk jug <laughs> on a core in a 
and any kind of gravel or grass, and it's not going to take a straight line to you. And all of a sudden, no. you've got you've got a you've got to really, really uh, have be on top of your game to be able to see it, recognize it, draw, fire, but then also too to keep firing until you see you know some kind of reaction from it, uh, knowing that you actually have hit that milk jug. Those that's that's a challenging drill. Yeah, and and, and anything like that you do, you want to you want to you know uh, uh, do it yourself and your partner, some some baller. There's somebody you know, ask them out to the range before you take that, you know, go, I got an idea and then take it to the range and, and, you know, it, it simply doesn't, doesn't work. You're going to, you're going to want to, um, take that opportunity beforehand. Uh, I remember years ago, I taught a class out in San Diego and they wanted me to teach a class that I later named working doors. And, um, you know, so I built a door frame that was portable and, and, set it up and was doing the button hooks and crisscross and, and laterals and the kind of things that, that I knew how to do is SWAT. But now I'm doing it not in a room. I'm just doing it at, at a door. And I had to figure out a way to do that and, you know, do it with probably three three relays, three different doors. Uh, and so I brought three different guys out there, uh, one, one novice, uh, one had been on the street for a while, the SWAT guy, and ran it through him got their feedback, saw the problems that, that, that this exercise created and built a lesson plan around that. So, you know, it's a matter of, um, can I assure the, the safety of everybody? What's the purpose of the exercise? Is it realistic? Again, you know, you can, um, as you've seen, and I certainly have seen people come up with, you know, some ridiculous, you know, course of power where some guy's going to do a SWAT roll or whatever you want to call it. And that's, zero value but it's you're going to require the student to do it um simply because it's you know the chicks dig it factor or you you uh you show it to them and you expect everybody else to be able to do the same thing so if it doesn't have value it shouldn't it shouldn't be in your lesson plan Mm -hmm. and and it it still goes back to what will my range allow me to do this is it something i can do on a square square range and um how many how many officers how many instructors is it going to take? Can I do this by myself? Do I need uh, additional instructors? Do I need safety officers? Am I going to empower my students to be my safety officers? So all of those are are considerations. Those are uh, all good uh, suggestions. There, uh, I know we've been making reference to. Um, ILFE and I've taken the fire instructor certification as well as the uh, master instructor development program tool to that I learned quite a bit about that I use in all the all my classes that I teach uh, these days can you go along and tell our listeners a little bit more about ILFE and if they aren't law enforcement how could they uh, become members of ILFE and take advantage of this training program yeah we we uh, we're an organization uh, currently about 2500 members uh, we have uh, uh, anybody who is a firearms and uh, law enforcement firearms instructor uh, or security instructor is is uh, can can qualify as a member and you can be an associate member uh, uh, with and still participate in, in, in a lot of our training you just want to receive some of the certifications uh, the, uh, uh, the the dues are, I think, uh, off the top of my head, I think they're fifty dollars, uh, fifty dollars a year. Of course, you can get a three-year membership if you want. We 
we have several training programs. We have an annual training conference this year. It'll be in Houston. Last year, it was in West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, we, we, we try to have that at a different location uh, every year so we can help West Coast, East Coast. So we can, you know, it's, 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 it's expensive to travel long, long, long way. So we try to move it around so that um, some people don't have to travel long distances every year. We put on our RTCs, regional training conferences. If uh, somebody wants to host one of those, they can they can contact the ILFA office or they can contact me. I failed to mention that I've just recently uh, been appointed as a, as a training uh, coordinator for ILFA, so all training now is coordinated through me. So we do a regional training conference. Usually uh, that's whatever the host wants uh, if, if they want to do, um, you know, uh, pistol drills, if they want to do uh, – uh, working working doors if they want to shooting from a vehicle uh, just kind of whatever they they want we'll find the instructors to fill that in that's usually a three-day school we have a master's class master's uh, uh, development course uh, master firearms development course and um, that's usually a three gun deal it's a shotgun rifle and, and pistol uh, we can we can work it depending on how many people uh, attend we can have uh, round robin. One day you'll be in the shotgun. Next day you'll be in the rifle. Next day in in the pistol. If the class is small, then everybody will be in the pistol one day. Everybody will be in the rifle one day, and everybody in the shotgun the next day. We have the ILFA firearms instructor certification course. Uh, that that is just like, and I say it's just like it, it's like any other uh, firearms instructor certification course, just like the NRA or the. FBI or your local law enforcement uh, certification course. It's a it, you are certified and recognized by an international uh, uh, law enforcement training group. Uh, uh, some people say that you know two and a half bucks will get you a cup a cup of coffee, but the, the real value in that is there are currently four states that recognize it uh, that will allow you to go through that course and uh, it would stand as, as well as their post-certification course. But the value for somebody that's not in, in law enforcement, not required to have certification, is if you ever involved in a shooting or one of your students is ever involved in a shooting and you're uh, subpoenaed to testify as to what it is you taught to that person and you're put on board hire, you're asked by the, by the jury and the judge what's your qualifications, and then this is one of the certifications that you can pull out and say, yeah, I'm certified through through ILFA. Uh, and, and we have other other courses that are designed specifically for whatever it is an agency's agency's look looking for. Uh, so and and we we hope to, to add to that. That I think that's one of the reasons they created the position and. Uh, hired somebody like me is to find those instructors that have a unique skill set and uh, uh, a course that we could take and, and, and put on the road and and offer it to anybody that's an ILFA member. If you're not an ILFA member and you want to attend one of one of these uh, by paying your tuition, you're also paying for your uh, membership. Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing I will add from a civilian standpoint that uh, was very eye-opening for me from the fire instructor uh, course was doing the research on the court cases that we did the first night yep. because I'm a, I'm a civilian fire instructor. I 
teach with uncertain guardrails and they're very, very easy to understand what those are. I mean, I try to get out of the situation. If it doesn't, if I can't get out of the situation, I, you know, use my firearm to make sure I get out of the situation. But when we got into doing those court cases, there was a lot of uh, really interesting information there that I didn't realize how much uh, law enforcement was uh, taxed, not only to you know, provide training, but you know there, there are a lot of court cases, Supreme Court cases that were eye-opening as we went through the next day and reviewed each one of those in class. Yeah, you know, a lot of our training is, is dictated by the court. When I say dictated by the court, it's not like they tell you, okay, you will shoot this course, you'll fire this many rounds, and you'll do it from these distances. What I'm saying is, for instance, Garner versus Tennessee was a was a case where an officer was uh, chasing a, uh, a burglar out of out of a house, and this is in the early '50s, and uh, he's chasing the guys, you know, more agile, more y- younger than he is, and starts over a fence, and the officer shot him. Uh, again, we're talking about 19, 1950s, and uh, of course his family su- sued, and and um, they got a judgment against the officer in the department. But the the, the court says that you know uh, you 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 won't shoot at somebody unless they continue to be a threat to you and and, and the community. And so we began then to, to train that you just can't shoot somebody because they're running away from you. you you've got to be able to articulate that they, they're they a threat, threat to you. But, you know, we can, again, just taking that as an example, you can take a, create a, a situation where it's shoot, don't shoot, where, uh, you know, uh, with simunitions, you can create a, a training scenario where where the guy turns on, on you with a gun and now you are justified in shooting. Again, it goes back to that baseball analogy. He gets to decide how how and when this gunfight's going to take take place. Mm-hmm. Uh, pow Pow versus Margate, Tuttle versus Oklahoma, cases where the court says officers must be trained in low light. They must be trained in, in engaging in, in uh, uh, environments other than the range. Um, all those cases are or bright line cases that um, dictate correctly to law enforcement. Not that you should do this, but you must do this. It says you will do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's 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 many many many, but we we focus on uh, uh, about twenty of those when when um, when we teach the uh, firearms instructors course. And yeah. again, I think everybody gets gets some. It, it it serves two purposes in the in the course. One, it teaches you to stand up in front of a crowd and talk to them if you've never done that before. But it also makes you do that research, and it makes you do research that is meaningful. It, it has value for you and the other students that hear it. Mm-hmm. And for the instructors out there that are civilian instructors mainly, knowing these court cases can also help you from a business standpoint, because once you know them, you can uh, go along and talk to law enforcement agencies and uh, tell them that your training, you know, will help them, you know, in low light, will help them in, you know, going along and doing uh, hand-to-hand combat, whatever your specialty is, uh, and, you know, potentially pick up some contracts that way too. Well, yeah, and and I, I think from a public service point of, point of view, the fact that you can educate the public as to why law enforcement officers uh, uh, are trained the way they are because because of some of the restraints uh, and requirements that the courts have handed down. Mm-hmm. It's it's all good information there, Ken. All good. 
any last uh, minute words you want before we wrap it up? No, it, it just let your imagination be your be your guide again. Don't create courses that are just just ridiculous. And you know, uh, uh, we used to have a guy who he'd get bored with the course of fire that we that we would set up, and so he'd have you know. Uh, the guys, you know, there's 24 terrorists coming over the hill and you've only got, you know, uh, your pistol and a, and a bolding knife that you're going to have to deal, deal with this. I mean, it just, it had no value to it whatsoever. Again, um, make sure it's reality based, make sure it's something that your, your audience, your, uh, class needs, uh, let them identify the need to you read the paper, mm-hmm. watch the news, uh, get, get those courses from, from reality. And then. Uh, figure out what it is you want to do, test that before you do it, run your partner through it, run yourself through it, be ready to answer questions, be uh, be prepared. And, and even in the civilian world, you better be ready to defend it because uh, you, you may you may find yourself in court someday. Yep. That's uh, one of those things at the end of the, uh, at the end of the earth, there'll be lawyers and there'll be uh, uh, tax people. We know that for sure. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Hey, Ken, where can people find more information about you and ILFE if they got, if they want to find more information out? Yeah. If, if you want to, uh, the company I was telling you about the Evans group, you can contact me there at Ken Barron, all small case at the evansgroup.net or you can get a hope of me at ILFA um, of course at www.ilfa.com or you can contact me at Ken Barron uh, capital K capital F at ilfa.com or you can reach out to the um, home office Uh, their direct line is 603-737- O two one one three, and of course, uh, Rob knows how to get open me. Uh, I'm sure he'd love to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. I like hearing from our listeners. Uh, there you well, go. Well, that's great. I will have that information in the show notes for everybody. So if you uh, didn't write them down as we're listening to them, look in the show notes for. It. Well, that's a wrap on this episode, and we have a few requests for our listeners. Visit our sponsors, especially the Firearms Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having instructor and current coverage for yourself and your students. Remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off at checkout. If you have any ideas, questions, feedback, please email them to us at ftp at concealedcarry.com. Talk to other instructors. Tell them the information you're hearing on our podcast. Follow us. Encourage them to follow us also. Pass the information on on social media wherever you can. We want to get this information out to make the instructors in the world as best instructors as they can. Also, leave us a review on iTunes or Google Play or wherever you listen to the podcast at. Remember, we bring this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Check out the ILFE and stay safe, everyone. Concealed Carry Inc. and ConcealedCarry.com strives to share helpful information and education about gun-related topics, training tips, and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners. The information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith, but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them. Nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel.